In 2007, imagination took you to a place where you could be a hero, live an adventure, break the rules, find the truth, escape the ordinary, and take a stand. This is your chance to shine. What is that right there? The future. Really? Duh. You never cease to amaze me. Welcome to my world. In 2008, prepare to go even farther. So say we all. All right, let's go. Just imagine where we'll take you next. 2008 is Sci-Fi. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Treks in Sci-Fi. I'm Rico, your host. Today will be podcast uh, 166 for March 23rd, 2008. Happy Easter to everyone in the world listening that celebrates it. Uh, Today is Easter Sunday. It's about uh, 10 o'clock or so in the morning. Getting a little bit later start than I normally do, so... Let's see how this goes, hopefully uh, fairly smoothly. I've got a pretty big topic this week that I'm going to be talking about. We're going to talk about Battlestar Galactica. We're going to talk about, uh, a little bit at least, touch on all the various incarnations of it from the original uh, Battlestar Galactica series back in 1978 to the present day series still continuing on the Sci-Fi Channel. So that should be a lot of fun. Going to have a collectible later on by a guest reviewer. Going to talk about some sci-fi info and Trek uh, information in the news. Uh, quite a bit coming out uh, has happened in the last week or so in the sci-fi world. Uh, and just some of the usual uh, segments and goodies and things you've come to expect from the show. So let's get started. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Treks and Sci-Fi with Rico Dusty. The Gray Hot. Prepare to download my program into the Autonomous Emitter. Tricks in Sci-Fi. Battle Stations. Stand by to receive our transmission. Sci-fi information and geeky goodness. Treks in Sci-Fi. The Vulcan brain never ceases to amaze me. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Rico. Complete. Well, again, welcome to the show, everyone. Trucks and Sci-Fi, back at you again for another week of geeky goodness and sci-fi and Star Trek information and news and just all kinds of fun. Uh, glad you uh, decided to uh, join me again, or if you're new, uh, welcome to the show. I'm going to uh, talk about a few business kind of, well, I hate to use the word business, just a few little uh, housekeeping items here to begin with. As always, you can always contact me uh, via email, treksf at gmail.com. Voicemail for the show, 206 
Send in those calls about uh, the latest movies, TV shows, books, and things that you've found interesting and like to share with the sci-fi community. So look forward to hearing from you. What's the latest on the new Star Trek movie? Let's find out. Okay, a few things uh, this past week about the uh, Trek movie still still being filmed. This thing is like being filmed for like, what, six months now or something? Uh, since uh, November, so uh, whatever, five months. It uh, what, One big thing that came up, there was some uh, Ain't It Cool News, which is a pretty popular website about movie news and things uh, run by Harry Knowles. Had some uh, spy photos, footage uh, that came out this past week. That appeared to be what looked like Starfleet Academy. Basically, the the campus of Cal State Northridge uh, was uh, off for spring break, and it appears that uh, they used it to film some scenes showing uh, some cadets and uh, other uh, people uh, milling about uh, on Starfleet Academy's campus uh, in San Francisco. And it, the, the shots look pretty convincing as far as it being probably uh, definitely pictures from the Star Trek film being shown uh they have uh kind of mili- more a little bit more military looking uniforms it's very hard to see exactly because these shots were taken from a fair distance but it looks like there you could pick up a few things it looks like some of the women uh in the in the shots are back uh, wearing the short skirts like they saw you saw those in the original series um most uh, of the uniforms appear to be sort of a mono chromatic you know there are some grays and reds and things like that you don't see all the various colors and shades that you saw like in the original series for these cadets to be wearing which kind of makes sense it's supposed to be a slightly military they should be wearing very similar uniforms you shouldn't see a lot of differences except for you know insignias and ranks if they've got that yet or whatever little details on their uniforms but they should all look fairly uniform i would think uh, oh get it uniform uniforms <laughs> so that uh, was pretty interesting if you want to see those shots i think there's some links in our forums over at treksinsci-fi.com they're also over at trekmovie.com so uh, i thought that was cool uh, a few other little tidbits ron moore who uh, were you know relates a little to this week's special podcast about Battlestar Galactica. He's the executive producer and one of the creators of the new Battlestar. He got a chance to visit. You know, Ron Moore worked on Next Generation. Has a writer in uh, Hollywood. He basically cut his teeth uh, working on TNG, and that was his first big break and went on to do a lot of great things like Battlestar Galactica. Uh, he got a chance to visit the set, meet some of the people, J.J. Abrams and those guys, and Basically, he came away very impressed. He was very happy. He thought that this was going to reinvigorate this franchise. You know, everyone that basically has been commenting about the movie has been saying that same kind of thing. We've been hearing that a lot from different people that have had a chance to visit it, uh, some of the actors that are working on it, and so forth. So, And Ron Moore, I have a lot of respect for. He brought a lot to TNG. Uh, he and Brandon Braga, when they came in uh, after the first couple of seasons of TNG, you know, really started to make that show cook and really take off. So I think uh, he, uh, you know, his word uh, lends a lot of credence and weight to uh, this being a great film. A couple other little uh, tidbits. Uh, There's an actor, uh, his name is William Morgan Shepard. I'm not sure if anyone recognizes that name, but he's the guy on the, uh, in the Star Trek VI, uh, the Undiscovered Country movie. He was played the Klingon commander of Rura Penthe, where uh, Kirk and McCoy were sentenced to. He's got a uh, supposedly he's got a small role in uh, the uh, excuse me in the Star Trek movie. What am I talking about? <laughs> uh, 
Oh, sorry about that. He has a small role in the new Star Trek movie, and uh, they haven't really said who or what he's playing, although they've mentioned it's an alien of a race we haven't seen before. So that was a little interesting little tidbit, I thought. Also, there is a, a bit of uh, footage. You can find this. It's one of the newest stories over at trekmovie.com. Again, great site for information about the new movie. There is uh, some visual CGI-type footage of it, what appears to be the Enterprise flying very low over a cityscape. Uh, it's only a few seconds long, and it's, it's pretty, to me, pretty obvious that this is not real, this is fake. For one thing... Even though some of these shots from the teaser trailer, you get the idea the Enterprise is being built on the ground, at least to some degree. I have a feeling that's only a partial uh, story to it. I don't think it's always all going to be finished or, or going to finish out the ship on the ground. But this shows the Enterprise flying, you know, like at skyscraper level, like through the city. And the original Enterprise from the original series wasn't capable of, you know, inter-atmosphere flight. Uh, they, it just didn't really do that so anyway but it's kind of a cool little shot so go over there and check that out and i'll try to put a link uh, to it in the podcast notes this week other uh, star trek related news one thing i found interesting there's a report out and uh, this is not confirmed but uh, there's a, a site that's uh, reported let's see what site was it it's called uh uh, now TV TV shows on DVD. Oh, yeah, I know that site. Yeah, I think I, I visit that. Talks about TV shows either coming out soon on DVD or that are are already out. Mm, try to say that fast, but they are reporting that the second season of the remastered original series is from Paramount is only going to come out for now at least on DVD. You know, they used to be HD Paramount, and then of course HD kind of has gone away now. Uh, primarily, and I guess maybe they haven't had a chance to really dig into Blu-ray yet, but they are reporting that they're only going to put this out on on regular good old DVD, the second season of the remastered Star Trek, you know, with the new effects and things. And uh, even though I'm a big fan of, of pretty much picking up anything based on the original series on DVD, I won't buy this. I don't care with the new effects. I am not buying any more Star Trek uh, original series unless it's in high def of, of some form. I think this is a big mistake. I think they should just wait. Uh, it looks to me like a money grab. I know they might not be ready to do it on Blu-ray yet, but if we got to wait another six months or a year for Blu-ray, I'm patient enough and fine with with doing that. Uh, it, it's kind of a shame and really kind of sad that this whole DVD release of the remastered Star Trek uh, has been messed up. You know, by this whole Blu-ray HD battle, uh, Blu-ray and yeah HD DVD battle. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, it's unfortunate, you know, the first season it was out on HD DVD and, and now who knows what's going to happen with these other ones. I'm sure they'll all come out. I mean, heck in a couple of years, they'll probably be all out in one big set on Blu-ray. Uh, so if, if no one's real anxious uh, to see them, uh, you know, and want to spend, you know, 50 or hundred bucks for each edition and each iteration that comes out before then, you know, go ahead. But, um, but anyway, I wasn't really going to do that myself. Uh, other things. Uh, yesterday, yeah, I think it was yesterday. Uh, it was uh, William Shatner's 77th birthday. So happy birthday to uh, Bill Shatner, and also Leonard Nimoy's birthday is is I think just around the same time, within a day or two. They are uh, very close to uh, having the same birthday. So happy birthday to both of them. Uh, the, you know Shatner, he's just amazing to me. He just keeps going. 
the guy seems to do more and have more energy, you know, at 77 than he did when he was 37 or whatever. It's just, it's just great to see that, and, and I'm real happy for him. You know, he writes books, he's on TV shows, he makes appearances, he goes out and drives race cars. Uh, he is very much like he, uh, you know, Kirk acted in those later movies. He's just still, still out there living, living life large. So, uh, congratulations, Bill, and happy birthday. What's going on in the world of sci-fi? Okay, a few stories in the sci-fi world of news and information I wanted to pass on. Arthur C. Clarke, a, a sci-fi book author legend, of course, Arthur wrote 2001 A Space Odyssey among, or you know, just so many great sci-fi books over the years. Rendezvous with Rama, one of my favorite classic sci-fi books. He passed away at the age of 90 this past week. Uh, it was uh, it, it was sad news, but Arthur had a very long and, and prolific career, and, and uh, I, I urge anyone who is a fan of reading and a ra- fan of sci-fi, if you've never read a, an Arthur C. Clarke book, I, I can't uh, you know say enough about how great so much of his writing is. You know, he's between him and Asimov and Heinlein. You have to read some of these, and I, you know, I'd really recommend Rendezvous with Rama. It's a great uh, initial book. It's not really that long. Uh, it's a cool little story. Uh, I think it's been optioned. I don't know how many times to make into a movie. I think they're really there's some new talk about that happening. It would make a really great movie, I think, too. So uh, you know, check out Arthur C. Clarke, uh, a legend, passed away this past week, and I, I again urge everyone check out some Arthur C. Clarke uh, from the bookstore, or your local library. Looks like uh, since we're going to be talking a lot about Battlestar Galactica this week, uh, the that uh, prequel series Caprica has been okayed and greenlit uh, by the Sci-Fi Channel. So Ron Moore and David Icke are going to be working on that. I believe it's going to start shooting sometime in the next few months. Look for that. Uh, probably, I would guess, either late this year to show up or early in 2008. I don't think they've announced when it's going to show up on, on air, but they're doing a uh, two-hour at least right now, it looks like it's only a two-hour uh, movie, uh, although who knows? It could turn into like a four-hour miniseries. You never know about these things. With uh, Sci-Fi tends to like to do the little short miniseries, two-hour, or sorry, four-hour, six-hour things that they show. Uh, usually they have a really good one each year around Christmas time, so I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happens with this. It's possible. So uh, that's cool news, especially since uh, Galactica, this is its last season that they're starting up here in a few weeks. And a couple uh, last little bits uh, of information and news. It looks like uh, Jericho, that uh, show on CBS that was on, then off, then back on. Well, now it's off for good. It looks like this uh, uh, short second season, even though the fans brought it back for that, uh, is the last. CBS has officially canceled it now. It won't be back for a third season. And that's, uh, well, it, it got uh, you know off to a little bit of a rocky start. They had that long gap. Uh, I, I admit in... in that it didn't ever really grab me as much as other shows. I watched it about through that midpoint of the first season, but it just seemed a little too lost-like for me. So I don't mean that, you know, the, here's a bunch of people on an island. It was just, well, they were sort of on an island. They were stuck in this town, sort of isolated from the rest of the world. So I don't know. I, I just had a hard time with having another show on that had so many questions with few answers each week. Uh, but it was well done. There was no question, and I know there are a lot of fans of it, out there so sorry to hear about that uh 
that it, you know, you never know. These shows sometimes come back, so who knows? Uh, keep your fingers crossed, Jericho fans. And there was a recent uh, discussion and interview with Joss Whedon. He was sort of talking about possibly Buffy coming back in some form, some way, you know, a TV movie, a, a, a spinoff series, something like that. I, I guess the, the people, the cast and stuff uh, were, were fairly excited by that information and news. You know, this is just rumor. Well, not really rumor, but it is just all hopes right now, no, nothing official and the only one that probably would never come back, uh, according to what she said at the time, is Sarah Michelle Geller, as Buffy uh, said that uh, she has no interest in revisiting that after, you know, doing the show for seven years. And so that's, uh, you know, it's good news for Buffy fans. And, and the, I have to mention the Buffy comic, which is uh, Joss Whedon has been writing, is a sort of a takeoff on Buffy at the end of uh, season seven, and they they spun it off into season eight. It, at least it's sort of like what happens after the series has been excellent. I know if you're not a real comic fan, this might not interest you, but if you are a Buffy fan, try to find this. Uh, it's a really well-written book, and it just seems so much like the TV show with Joss's writing. I, I urge everyone to check that out for uh, for you if you want some more Buffy goodness. And I think I should stop there. There's there's a ton of other stuff that, you know, Sci-Fi Wire. Go to sci-fi.com slash sci-fi wire. That's a great place to get all the latest sci-fi news. It's a ton of other stuff that's happening in the last few weeks. I think after this writer strike ended, everything is really starting to gear up uh, in the entertainment and sci-fi world, especially, uh, again, with the writers go- are back at work. And also the early, uh, you know, movies are starting to come out and will be coming out soon for the spring uh, and summer big blockbuster season of movies so lots of stuff happening but let's get to Battlestar Galactica Battlestar Galactica, the original series, first premiered back uh, in September of 1978 with a TV movie on ABC. It aired on a Sunday night, and believe it or not, uh, that long ago, I can still remember when this uh, first aired. It was uh, very exciting. There were a lot of things that led up to Battlestar Galactica. And it's going to be a little tricky to cover, you know, all the Battlestar Galactica, you know, Things than the, you know, all of the different TV shows, episodes that have that have been on in in here on this uh, podcast. So I'm going to do the best that I can. But just letting you know right now, it's going to be kind of more of uh, an overview of everything, a little bit, and some of my uh, likes and dislikes and thoughts about both uh, both of the main series. So so just get that little disclaimer. Oh, one more disclaimer, especially when we get to the uh, current Battlestar Galactica. The uh, 
the, again out there. The thing is, I, I'm going to talk about a few uh, things that might be spoilers, so I just wanted to put that out there. And I just got a, sorry, I got a little distracted by this audio, so let's play a little of this, and I'll come back in a second. Egyptians, or the Toltecs, or the Mayans, that they may have been the architects of the Great Pyramids, or the lost civilizations of Lemuria, or Atlantis. Some believe that there may yet be brothers of man who even now fight to survive somewhere beyond the heavens. Yes, that was Patrick McNee doing that opening uh, voiceover there for the original Battlestar Galactica. Now, I know a lot of people that, uh, I'm, I'm not sure about a lot, but I know there are people that are listening to the podcast that have maybe never seen the original Battlestar Galactica series from 1978, and if you are a fan of the current show, I uh, I definitely suggest and urge you to check out the original series. There are a lot of great things about it, but let me give you a little bit of background and you know, kind of a little bit about where it came from and what got it started. Okay, uh, Glenn Larson, uh, who uh, basically created, produced, uh, executive produced, he was sort of like the Gene Roddenberry of Battlestar Galactica. He created this series for ABC. Originally, though, he conceived of it as a, a series of TV movies. He knew it was going to be fairly big budget, and he really didn't think uh, doing it as a weekly TV show would work, both budgetary and time and things like that. You know, it would be very difficult to do as a weekly series. So he pitched it first as a series of TV movies to ABC. Now, this came in the on the heels of the huge, huge, uh, just... You really, unless you live through it, you really have no idea, even if you hear about it now, how big Star Wars was as a movie at the box office and how it just went on week after week, making more and more money and staying. You know, there movies don't do that anymore. There has not been a movie ever that really has done that kind of crazy business since then that Star Wars did and was on, you know, just for weeks and weeks and it, you know was re- re-released the following summer and the following summer and that just you know kind of woke up hollywood they said gosh this space fantasy kind of uh you know adventure the good guys against the bad guys kind of a space western idea what well, you know people seem to really like it hey maybe we should jump in on that uh, you know that's hollywood you know they see something and they all run over to that and then they see something else that that is popular and they all run over to that hey you know there's a lot of people out there that are just they don't have any original thoughts, I guess, is what I'm saying. They they just follow the lead of, you know, they're like lemmings or whatever. So anyway, but, you know, when you get something great, you can have some things that come along after it that are still pretty good, too. And Battlestar Galactica was that. It was uh, sort of Star Wars on the TV screen or the attempt to uh, to put that kind of a story and that kind of a feeling on the TV screen. There are people that worked on both, John Dykstra especially, who did a lot of the effects and created a lot of uh, what went into the look of the effects and uh, all that motion control camera work in the original Star Wars film. He ended up going to work on the Battlestar Galactica TV show. So a lot of connections. They actually got sued, too, by George Lucas because they were so close to his vision and his you know, his ideas in Star Wars, they, they, uh, but I guess they settled. I don't think they even ended up going to court from what I could find. They kind of settled. He had to, they had to change a few little things on Galactica, but, uh, you know, it was so similar, this, this storyline. Basically, it was the story of 
the human race, not really human as in on Earth, but humans out there far out in the galaxy, you know, kind of a long time ago, far, far away kind of story. Again, a very similar Star Wars reference. This colony of humans on these different worlds uh, that corresponded to the signs of the Zodiac, there was a machine race that that they called the Cylons that was out to wipe them out. Now, uh, I'm trying to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty pretty up on Galactica. You know, I, I religiously watched it every week and, and have watched it since in reruns, but I don't believe in the original series that the Cylon, you know, the, the machine race was something that was ever designated or designed or, or mentioned that the humans had created them. This isn't anything like the current Battlestar where it was sort of like the humans creating machines who, who sort of eventually take over kind of a lot like the Terminator uh, movies and TV show. In the original Battlestar, the Cylons just sort of were this machine race out there, kind of like the Borg, and they were out to wipe out all of, all the humans. And they pretty much did that, of course. And the story uh, uh, on the blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I got to do one of those. Uh, the story from the sort of overall basic concept in the original Battlestar Galactica and the current show is very similar. The Cylons come in. They wipe out most of humanity. The Battlestar Galactica escapes and uh, takes off with this sort of ragtag fleet of other ships under its protection and races for this planet called Earth. So that basic idea and concept is the same in both series. But there's quite a few differences, and we'll, we'll talk about those as we go through both uh, both series. Yeah, now let me just outline some of the, the cast. Again, very similar uh, names you'll know from the, if you know the new Battlestar uh, we had Richard Hatch as Captain Apollo. Dirk Benedict played Lieutenant Starbuck, who they changed Starbuck into a woman in the new series, which everyone was all like, ah, how'd they do that? Why'd they do that? And now everyone's fine with it, I think, pretty much. Uh, Lauren Green was Commander Adama. Of course, Lauren Green, being uh, a very patriarchal figure, had been on Bonanza for years and all that. Uh, Herb Jefferson Jr. played Lieutenant Boomer. Uh, lots of other uh, really good group of uh, cast. I think that one of the you know, to me, one of the most fun and great things about the original series is I, I really enjoyed the cast and their camaraderie and and everything. They they really seemed to get along well, and, and the show was well done on that aspect. Uh, you had uh, uh, Marin Jensen played Athena, who was uh, Apollo's uh, sister. She, uh, she never really did a whole lot after this that I could find. Uh, Battlestar was sort of her first job. She did a couple little bits after that. And then she kind of faded away from the world of, uh, of acting and, and things. Uh, she had a very uh, unusual, I thought, otherworldly appearance. I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but I think she definitely won the part based on her, uh, her looks and that. Uh, and, and this was, I think, her first acting job. And it kind of shows a little bit in some of the early bits. I have a clip here I want to play uh, with her in it in a minute or two. Uh, but again, a great cast. The Oh, the villain, I have to mention, John Cockley. Cochleus? Oh, I can never say his name properly. He played Kor in Errand of Mercy in the original series. He was Baltar. He was the the traitor human that betrayed the humans uh, to the Cylons. And uh, the interesting thing about that is Battlestar Galactica was uh, uh, later released as a movie for theaters. And in the original story, in the original pilot, Baltar was supposed to die. The Cylons were supposed to kill him and execute him. But they found that his performance, and he was such a, a great villain, and rather than just have all these machines with kind of no face being the villain, they decided to keep Baltar around, and he sort of led the Cylons as they chased uh, 
you know, the original Battlestar Galactica around the universe and tried to wipe them out. Uh, uh, oh, I have to say also, uh, just to kind of few other little overview details, you know, the original series only lasted for one season, only lasted for like 23 episodes, which is, uh, you know, for the popularity and, you know, around 30 years or so, 25, 30 years later, they created a very popular new sci-fi show based on the, you know, sort of the concept of the original Battlestar is is a lot to be, you know, a lot to be said for that. Only after doing one season, they did come back. I'm not going to talk a lot about it, about a couple years later and did a very short uh, run of a show called Galactica 1980, which has very, you know, one very cool episode in it, which is the return of Starbuck with Dirk Benedict. That episode alone, to me, uh, makes that series worthwhile and worth having. So uh, check that out when you get a chance. Explore the outer regions of the universe aboard the Battlestar Galactica. Ordinarily, we'd use trained daggets to stand watch at night while our warriors slept in their encampments. Battlestar Galactica. In sense around at most theaters. Rated PG. Yeah, that was a a short little uh, movie trailer. You know, they did they re-edited the three-hour pilot movie and, and released it in theaters in 1979, and that's what you heard there was a preview for that uh, for Battlestar Galactica at movie theaters, which, you know, some places around the world, that's all they ever saw of it. That sensor around thing always cracks me up. It was basically you know a lot of bass and a big subwoofer in the in the movie theater, and I think I did actually go see this in the movie theater, the original. Uh, the re-edited pilot that they released uh, in 1979. Let me give you a few other little uh, tidbits from the show. Uh, uh, one thing I didn't realize is uh, Mark Hamill, uh, of course, Luke Skywalker, was offered the a role of Adama, which I can't quite understand. You know, Adama was supposed to be sort of a father figure, but I, I suppose in one earlier concept, perhaps Adama was going to be, you know, the hero character, and he wasn't going to be this father figure of... Apollo and and uh, Athena and all that. So uh, he was originally offered the role of Adama and turned it down. Which just think how different the show would have been in with that situation. And I can understand it though. He was heavily into Star Wars and, and to be in two different space saga series like that would have been kind of you know kind of ridiculous actually a little bit. Uh, uh, this was also the the first TV show uh, and and hugely expensive. The first TV show ever to spend more than like a million dollars per episode. And it showed the the effects at the time uh, were amazing and and really great for television. Uh, and keep in mind, this is the days before somebody had a computer and could do all these kind of cool spaceships and explosions and battles on the computer screen. This was all done with models and old school with cameras and filmed and compositing all the good old special effects that used to be done for movies and TV were done, uh, you know, I guess you could call it sort of real, not computer-generated, which makes it uh, very, very expensive to do. So a huge, uh, huge undertaking for a TV show each week. And that's probably ultimately what, what did Battlestar Galactica in. You know, it, it was so expensive. The ratings were good, but not, I guess, good enough to justify bringing it back for a, a second season. Uh, I've got a few clips I want to play. Uh, here's one with... Uh, Lauren Green explaining about what the fleet's going to do now that the Cylons are chasing them and have wiped out most of the colonies. So listen to this. A race that went out into space to establish colonies. Those of us here assembled now represent the only known surviving colonies, save one. 
a sister world, far out in the universe, remembered to us only through ancient writings. It is my intention to seek out that remaining colony, that last outpost of humanity in the whole universe. Commander Dharma, this 13th colony, this other world, where is it and what is it called? I wish I could tell you that I know precisely where it is, but I can't. However, I do know that it lies beyond our star system, in a galaxy very much like our own, on a planet called Earth. thing about the original series that I really loved a lot was the music, the the opening theme music, the stuff they used in the various episodes. You heard a little bit of it there. Uh, the person also there that asked about Earth was uh, a very young Jane Seymour. She played Serena in the uh, pilot movie and the first couple of episodes of the TV show. Uh, she ends up being married to Apollo. So that was uh, interesting and, and uh, shows her in her early career. Uh, but the mu- music, back to that, uh, Stu Phillips uh, created some great music for this show, and there are a couple of soundtracks available, and you can hear the, some of that stuff uh, off of uh, iTunes and different places like that. So check that out. Uh, got another clip here. I played this. This one's a little out of order. This is an earlier in the TV uh, pilot movie. This is with Starbuck and Athena after Starbuck makes his way back to the Galactica after the initial first big battle. So listen to this. Are you all right? Fine, fine. No thanks to your father. Here, give it a good watch, fellas. Now get under that wing, blow that out. Get that fire there. What are you saying about my father? Do you realize what we've just been through? Okay. You should have seen how we spent our day. I managed to single-handedly keep the Cylons off your neck while you took off on a little cruise. Starbuck, don't you realize what's happened? Oh, yeah, sure. I realize what happened. You should see this baby from there when it takes off across the sky. It's a beautiful sight. Beautiful, as it happens to be your base ship. Starbuck, listen to me. The colonies are gone. All of them. What are you talking about, gone? Yeah, that's uh, Dirk Dirk Benedict, uh, who was also face on the A-Team there playing Starbuck. I really, he was a great character who was very... uh, Han Solo, like uh, also Don Johnson, who waited, went on to do Miami Vice. Don Johnson was also up for the part of Starbuck, but uh, I guess he lost out because of his accent. He has sort of a southern drawl to a degree, and uh, he lost out on the part because of that. Uh, so it would have been a lot different show. The uh, if you notice, they had a very elaborate bridge set for the original uh, Galactica, and it was actually you know. Pretty much authentic computer equipment of the day uh, by a company called Tektronics, who's still around. I think they make uh, other things now, uh, some printers and things like that a little bit. But anyway, all those uh, meters and, and mainframe type stuff that you see in the bridge there was actually functioning kind of computer equipment of the day in the original uh, Galactica series. So uh, pretty cool that they use that, uh, I thought. I have to mention, too, the, the names that they used, the very, some mythological uh, and zodiac signs and things, you know, Apollo, Athena from Greek mythology, uh, Starbuck and Boomer are characters that are also in Moby Dick. That's where those names are from, where you may have heard that before if you've read those. Uh, they uh, they all had names that had sort of some meaning. They, he didn't just create brand new names like uh, 
you know, Han Solo and Luke Skywalker for this uh, show. Uh, I thought that was kind of an uh, interesting take. And it was, you know, this was supposed to be sort of this mythological idea of these other colonies of humans living out there. So they had to have sort of uh, an overlap between uh, what we have in our mythology and what they had also. And to have this connection and, and you know, the big leader of them being Adama, you know, the, the Adam name and that, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of those crossover things in both. Oh, the they also had decided to invent some of their own language. You know, the word frack, which uh, I think most people know what that stands for these days. Another F, uh, a word that starts with the letter F, uh, which I won't say right now and keep this podcast uh, PG. Uh, They also had a few others. Uh, They they invented different units of time, centons, uh, things like that. Uh, Also, felgercarb was was sort of another. uh, They haven't used that on the new show that I can remember, but uh, that was used on the on the original series quite a bit uh, to, to basically be frustrated. And, you know, you'd use that when uh, O'Felger Carb, you know, or whatever. Uh, but uh, what else can I say? I, I want to kind of fade away now into the new show, so I don't want to talk too much more. I know I've just breezed through this. i got to say a few other things, though. They had some great episodes here with some cool guest stars, uh, especially Lloyd Bridges. They did a uh, Pegasus uh, Commander Kane episode, like they ended up doing a series of those in the new show. Uh, with uh, Lloyd Bridges is playing this Commander Kane of this Battlestar Pegasus that they run into. And that was a great set of episodes, just some really fun stuff. And for a one-season show, I I think they did a great job with this series. I'm going to – actually, we're going to segue over to a series uh, of um, the current one, but I thought now would be a good time. We're going to play some thoughts uh, from uh, Jedi Jeff. I got uh, some comments about he uh, has some things to say about the original series, and I think he gets into the new series a little, which will sort of blend us into um, the second Battlestar Galactica TV series. Well, I guess the third, technically, but uh, the current one, let's just say. So here's Jedi Jeff's thoughts, and I will be back in a few minutes. Hi, Rico. This is Jeff. Jedi Jeff on the forums. I'd like to give you some of my thoughts on uh, your topic this week, Battlestar Galactica. I'm a person who's enjoyed all iterations of Battlestar Galactica, right through the original up to the uh, present uh, day one that we have. First, I'll give you some of my thoughts on the original Battlestar Galactica. I know a lot of people might feel that this one is a bit cheesy looking at it today, but I think for the most part, uh, it stands up quite well. The thing that I kind of take away most from the uh, original series was the uh, relationship between Apollo and Adama, that father and son relationship. I always enjoyed how, um, you know, like I say, it was a stretch, such a strong kind of relationship and how uh, Apollo always kind of stood behind Adama when he had to make uh, difficult decisions. Also, too, with the original series, I always really liked the two-parter episodes. I always felt those ones were kind of the best ones ones like the living legend with commander kane or gun on ice planet zero had a lot of good action in it and then war of the gods um really enjoyed that count ibley character and uh like the portrayal that patrick mcmead done on it uh alex i always liked him in avengers also too like i say i really enjoyed the uh the costumes that um the the viper pilots wore thought that was really cool and kind of my goal one day is uh to maybe own or own a a costume just like the original viper pilots um i know uh master replicas is planning to come out with some helmets this year so uh, i'm looking forward to that and then maybe uh, at some point uh getting getting a costume either making it or or maybe someone will produce one 
Next, I'll talk a little bit about Galactica 80. I know this is not really enjoyed by a lot of people, but uh, like for the most part, I enjoyed it. Um, I accepted uh, Troy and Dylan instead of uh, Apollo and Starbuck, and uh, like say I thought like say the uh, for the opening three-parter um, episodes, I thought um, they did a reasonable job. Later on in the series, when they switched to the new Doctor Z, I kind of actually liked that character and thought felt that brought a different element to the series. Next, I'll talk about the re-imaged uh, Battlestar Galactica and my thoughts on that. Um, to be honest, uh, I was a little bit resistant at start about the, the series. Um, like, say, I had, uh, you know, I didn't like the idea of, um, you know, some of the prominent um, characters like Starbuck and Boomer being portrayed by uh, ladies uh, and being kind of recast. But to uh, be honest, after the, uh, the miniseries was over, uh, no problem. And uh, like I say, I came to really enjoy the... The, the roles and, and the actors who uh, portrayed it and still do actually another thing which I, I still made me stumble a little bit is that relationship between Apollo and Adama like I, I pointed out in the original series that was one of the kind of the key points for me but uh, in this new kind of re-image series they, they seem to be a more adversarial relationship and seem more often than not that uh, Apollo and Adama are on opposite sides of issues but I do kind of get the feeling that deep down there's a deep caring between the two uh characters so i know like i do get that feeling that uh, even though they don't agree on most things uh, that there does seem to be some caring there which uh gives me a little comfort and, and a, a bit of throwback to the original series also i, I like say i really give credit to ron moore and his writer writing team on kind of tackling some really tough issues um like I said, you know, they could shy away from it, but uh, but they don't. And like I said, I really enjoy that, you know, like things like the uh, terrorism uh, kind of uh, plot or, or theme that kind of started off from season three that, that they took it and, and kind of gave us a, a different viewpoint on, you know, kind of some of the world events that we're, we're seeing at this point in time. Also, some of my more favorite episodes are, are kind of either the uh, Galactica ones where they're shepherding the... Uh, the fleet through some uh, tough regions of space or tough situations or you know viper centric ones anyways rico thanks for uh, letting me uh, share some of my thoughts on uh, battlestar galactica and back to your show well thanks very much jeff for your comments about uh, all the battlestar galactica series uh, i agree yeah that's uh I really enjoyed the costumes in the original i thought those were great as well and, and enjoy the new the new show's costumes as also, but the new ones are a little more just military. I, I like the uniforms, but there's something kind of, I don't know, fanciful and, and, and sort of, uh, I don't know, something about the original series costumes that I always really loved uh, even more uh, than the, the current one. But So uh, let's get into Battlestar Galactica that started in 2000. 2004 first started on the Sci-Fi Channel with a miniseries uh, movie event. So uh, let's get into it.
All right, Battlestar Galactica, new series. I don't know how to call it, reimagined, re revisioned, uh, whatever. Ron Morris Galactica, we'll call it. And David Icke, I'm sorry. Sorry, David. Uh, don't mean to always ignore you, but, you know, us Trek fans, you know, we're really into Ron Moore and, and know him pretty well. So, but uh, let's move. Let's get through. Uh, well, not get through. That's not the right way. <laughs> I know this is going to be a long podcast. Battlestar Galactica. When I decided to talk, talk about this, you know, overall topic, I I love all the series, like I said earlier, and I knew though that it was going to be a lot to talk about. So let me just sort of dive in. Uh, the, that opening theme song there, I want to think I mentioned that. Uh, that's a, a a kind of a it's I guess a Hindu mantra there, uh, taken from the Rig Veda. I'm not sure if I'm saying some of this stuff right. Uh, there's actually words for it, which I'm not even going to attempt. It's om blam blam zav. Oh, I am going to attempt it. Zava zavatar tavika. I can't do that. No, no, no. We're not going to do that. But it's supposed to stand for or mean. Uh, if you translate it, may we attain that excellent glory of the savatar the of the god. So may he stimulate our prayers. So that's a, a religious based uh, uh, opening musical theme there from Hindu and. It just sort of also adds into, there's a lot of, both even in the original series and in this series probably even more, there's a lot of religious overtones to it when you think about, uh, you know, what what creation's all about. Uh, Now, like I was saying earlier, in this series, in this new Battlestar Galactica, we'll just use the word new, that's easy. What happens in the miniseries is that the, the Cylons have sort of disappeared for a long time. There was a big war. Uh, we haven't seen them in a long time. It's sort of been an uneasy peace, and there, there is supposed to be sort of a final uh, signing of some agreement, uh, and the Cylons, of, of course, attack and basically almost, again, wipe out humanity except for like 50,000 people approximately in the Battlestar Galactica and this ragtag fleet again escape uh, the Cylons because of a, a number of reasons. But that all happens in the miniseries, which, which sets up the whole uh, continuing series after that. So, again, very much like what happens in the original series as well, but with uh, some important differences. One, uh, the humans were used to Cylons being machines. The story on the new Galactica is that uh, humans created these machines to help them to be sort of servants and, and help them out in, in, in whatever, you know, clean up their house or whatever it happens to be, work in factories, but they evolve. There's a sort of taglines over the show in the intros that say, you know, Cylons were created by man, but they evolved, and, you know, now they have this new plan. What the humans at, at this point in time at the miniseries and in early in the early seasons, early season, uh, I'm not sure exactly when it was found out, but they don't realize it at this point that the Cylons have been evolving into uh, what they're called skin jobs, or basically Cylons that appear just like every other human out there. There's no way when you're just looking at one of these to not uh, or to identify them as a Cylon. Not even a Borg. You know, a Borg would have uh, little mechanical implants and that and so forth. You know, these Cylons, uh, they still have some machine ones around to do sort of the soldiering and the dirty work with big guns and that. But they also have these uh, human-looking Cylons, which sets up a whole interesting uh, subtext to the show where people start to not being able to know who they can trust, who's a Cylon, who isn't a Cylon, and, and so forth, which really adds a huge, huge dynamic, I think, to the show and makes it very interesting to watch each week. 
And over the seasons, you know, they've revealed that certain characters turn out to be uh, Cylons, turn out to be human-looking Cylons, which is a big surprise, especially. And uh, I'm going to try not to spoil things too much, but like I said earlier on, I'm going to say there are going to be some things that maybe come out in some of the clips and some of the things that I say that will spoil it if you're not caught up through uh, Season 3 on Galactica. You know, some of the main characters uh, that you've known for, for a long time, they, they end up turning into turning out to be Cylons, which... Uh, which is a little surprising, and and you know that's the great thing about this show to me that they're always sort of pulling the unex, unexpected. Ron Moore really likes to do that. At the end of most of the seasons, he's really shaking things up. He probably did that especially between seasons two and three when he shot uh, Flash. Didn't really flash forward, but he shot the whole show a year into the future. That was right after they uh, most of the um, leftover or the the surviving human race settled on this planet and he advanced the whole storyline and plot a year for um well to make things interesting and we'll talk about that as we go as well i think at this point i'm going to play a uh, a little uh, audio clip here this is sort of a promo for the mini series and it's got some good stuff in it uh, it's a little tricky, I want to say, to get clips sometimes for Galactica because so much of it's visual. You know, there's a lot of space battles, a lot of scenes going on with not a lot of dialogue uh, for things, you know, action, adventure kind of a show that it is. But we will do the best that we can. Uh, again, this one, this clip is uh, gives you some background and information. This is a promo for the miniseries. We decided to play God. Create life. And when that life turned against us, we comfort ourselves in the knowledge that it was the Cylons that were flawed. But the truth is, we are the flawed creation. We jump into uncharted space. We're a long way from home. Limited supplies, limited fuel, no allies, and now no hope. As of this moment, we are at war. Sooner or later the day comes when you can't hide from the things you've done. Moments ago, this ship received word of a Cylon attack against our home worlds is underway. You're the new breed of Cylon. The last time anybody saw the Cylons, they looked more like walking toasters. I have feelings, hopes, wants. And what I want most of all is for you to love me. The Cylons look like us, that any one of us can be a Cylon. You're gonna die in this body. My consciousness will just be transferred to another one. Another Cylon! Humanity's children are returning home today. Let's get this ship into the fight. Get down! Zack failed basic flight. He should not have been there. He was only doing it for you. Thought I should confess my sins. How's the wife? I promise you one thing. We will make it. We have 50,000 people left. The war is over. It hasn't begun yet. Battlestar Galactica premieres Sunday, December 7th at 9, only on Sci-Fi Channel. Okay, so I think that gives you a good overview there. That's stuff from the miniseries. Really great uh, 
that uh, Edward James Olmos uh, plays William uh, Adama, the Admiral now on Battlestar Galactica, and I think he is, to me, the biggest anchor of the show. He really adds a lot of gravitas and, and just, I can't say enough uh, good about how his performance is on Battlestar. Uh, Mary McDonald is also very excellent. President Laura Roslin, she becomes president of the colonies after the uh, president is killed, the the first president or the previous president, she's actually the minister of like education, and she's basically the highest official left, and she is president of the colonies. Jamie Bamber plays Captain Lee Adama. He is Adama's uh, son. He's Apollo. Um, and the big change, of course, uh, we have Kara Thrace as Starbuck, played by uh, Katie Sackhoff. Uh, it, th- that was probably the biggest change, of course, when they went from the original series to the new Galactica. They turned Starbuck into a woman, so... And a lot of people had a lot of trouble with that, uh, this cocky, arrogant pilot, uh, the hottest uh, fighter pilot in the fleet pl- being played by this, uh, you know, tough woman. But Katie Sackhoff in the character of Starbuck has been so fleshed out and so well-rounded, and she is just, she gives such a great performance in, in every episode that she's in. Again, I can't say enough about her in this show. She's she's really come a long way. I think she started off as is uh, you know really good on the show and just has gotten better and better. Michael Hogan, uh, Colonel uh, Colonel Ty, Colonel Saul Ty, whose original name I guess was Paul. They were going to use the name Paul, but I like the name Saul. It's just a, kind of unusual, and it seems to really suit him. He plays Colonel Ty, who who did a lot in in the later season, especially the one where they were on. Uh, New Caprica, and he kind of held everyone together and things that happened with him and his wife. Just very, very excellent. And just a huge list of, of other people. Grace Park as uh, Boomer, as Sharon Valeri, uh, who's hooked up with Hilo and had this baby now. Uh, just great stuff. Hilo, uh, who's played by, what's his name? T- I can never say this name. T- Tama Penicket. I don't even know what kind of, what is that, uh, what kind of a uh, country that name is from, but he, he was a character that was supposed to kind of get written out. He got stuck on Caprica after the attacks, and they decided to use him. He ends up finding um, Sharon, uh, the Cylon Sharon, on Caprica, and that leads to a whole interesting set of circumstances that sets up a lot of what happens later in the series, and that was not really originally envisioned. That came later. Oh, and of course, I can't forget to mention uh, Trisha Helfer, who plays number six. This is like her first big acting job. She was really a model uh, basically before this. This is her big uh, break. And for somebody that's just starting out, I, she has so many different facets. You know, the the cool and interesting thing about this new Galactica is that some of these Cylon, and she's number six, she's the Cylon that gets Baltar to betray humanity. Oh, of course, Baltar is uh, a great, uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't say enough. We'll get to him in a second. James Callis is Baltar. But uh, Trisha Helfer is number six. The Silence get the opportunity to play various different kind of incarnations and different roles on the show. And that gives them a lot of different opportunities as actors uh, for this show. There's a few of them that you've seen multiple times, but they're not exactly the same person. Uh, Aaron Douglas is... Um, is Tyrrell. Uh, he's he basically keeps all the vipers flying. Uh, and again, like I was saying before, uh, James Callis is Baltar. Probably again one of the more 
most interesting characters. He's like the villain you love to hate. He's such a screwed up human being, though. You really kind of feel sorry for him a lot of times uh, during the series. And and, and just a, a great supporting cast of actors and and behind-the-scenes people, Ron Moore and David Icke and all the writers that work on this show. Excellent. And I have to mention, too, before I forget... Ron Moore does a podcast for each of the episodes. Uh, he's been pretty much doing this from the start almost. I think he may not have done some of the very early episodes, but he does a weekly podcast where he dissects and talks about each episode, some of the things they've uh, changed in the episode, how it all worked out, his thoughts about it. Really great. If you're a Galactica fan, you know, just kind of check that out. It's, it's, it's great to listen to, but I also would highly urge everyone, don't listen to that that podcast until you've seen the episode i always i watch the episode and then usually the next day or a couple days later i'll listen to his podcast which really adds a lot to my enjoyment of the series so let's get into a a few more of the clips that i've got this uh this next clip here this is just a uh sci-fi does a really good job i think of promoting uh they make some very cool commercials and promos for galactica this is uh from uh season two it's sort of the promo for season two of galactica so listen to this going to die. This bill doesn't make it. You'll make it. This will be your ship, your command. Events have been set in motion. Things will work out the way they are supposed to. Well, I'm glad you have something you can believe in. I wish I did. Don't touch me. Don't talk to me. Don't come near me. I don't want a command. I never did. She's tearing my child. Get on the way. You're not fit to wear a uniform. Then again, neither are you. She's not lying. They lie about everything. Mankind's true nature will always assert itself. We've been boarded. The Cylons are all over this deck. Where's the fleet? We don't know. Drop your weapon! It wasn't me! Be a man. How many Cylons are left in the fleet? How many? I will lead the people to salvation. Talk to me like you are a soldier. I'm not a Cylon! I am not going to leave you here. The real trouble's gonna come from the people. And if they are pushed, they will push back. One of you will turn against the others. Which one? Battlestar Galactica, a Sci-Fi Channel original series, premieres next week. Check your local listings. I also may have to say, too, uh, here... That, uh, that was a cool promo, by the way. Didn't you think so? I, I thought so. The um, Ron Moore does a really great job, I think, of integrating uh, the proper characters and actors for the different roles. A uh, couple little bits of uh, other trivia. Uh, Jane Seymour, of course, who I mentioned earlier, played Serena in the original series. She was originally offered the role of, of Helena Kane. You know, they brought uh, Admiral Kane in on the Pegasus, just like they had in the original series. This very military, uh, tough-as-nails commander. Uh, of this, uh, actually, Admiral Kane for for this other Battlestar that shows up. And Jane Seymour was offered that part, but she turned it down. And then eventually that part went to Michelle Forbes, who, of course, we all know as Trek fans, who played Ensign Rowe on Next Generation and does a great job to me as um, Admiral Kane here. And they did that uh, Battlestar Galactica uh, sort of, uh, I guess, uh, direct-to-DVD, but it was also shown on TV, they did that show uh, Razor, which showed some things in the very in the past when Adama, when uh, Admiral Adama was uh, just a very young uh, pilot, uh, showed him and showed more about the Pegasus and Kane and, and the kind of character she was. 
cool little DVD. Definitely check that out if you haven't seen that and you're a fan of these. I definitely want to check that. Uh, also, again, back to Ron Moore and his casting. He also brought in Richard Hatch, who played Apollo on the original series, to play this character, this sort of political, uh, sort of powerful character in the civilian area, uh, Tom Zarek who uh, has worked with the president and Rosalind and been kind of with her and against her and, and all over the place. Uh, the You know, this the new Galactic, I've always said, is sort of a sci-fi show, but it's it's really about people and humans and, and they're, you know, a lot of uh, what makes people humans. There's some several themes that run through it. One of the things that Adama says several times and comes up in the show is, and, and he talks to this Cylon uh, boomer, uh, Sharon, uh, a few times about it is is what does it mean to be human? In other words, the Cylons, these new sort of skin job humans, seem to be acting a little more human like than what some of the people that survived the uh, the the wiping out of the colonies are acting. You know, they're sort of turning into monsters. Some of them, like Admiral Kane and others, and the things they're having to do. And uh, there's some lines that are said something like, you know, do we even deserve to be saved? And there's just some really deep thoughts and deep. Uh, things to think about in this show that Ron Moore has, you know, woven and other people that are writing it, David Icke again, and other writers working on the show that have done just a great job weaving all these little ideas together and what does it mean to be human and, and creating life and and, you know, the Cylons, you know, can we live together with them? And, and just who can you trust? That whole idea of who, you know, Baltar, they they kind of set him up to sort of identify everyone in the fleet who's a Cylon and who isn't. And he makes this little test that's supposed to uh, reveal that, but they don't exactly know that he's not on their side completely. So he kind of doesn't uh, reveal all the results he finds. It just, just all kinds of cool stuff. I can't say this to me. You know, Battlestar is probably, you know, right up there with Trek for me as far as, you know, just amazing, cool uh, TV shows in the sci-fi genre to watch. And, again, this show to me, though, is also a type of show that other people that aren't really heavy into sci-fi could enjoy as well. It's so much just a drama. You know, it won a Peabody Award. It, it, it's just so well acted and produced and put together. Uh, let's uh, Let's do a few more clips here. I've got another one. Oh yeah, I've got to play uh, play this one. You know, I said earlier how how great Edward uh, almost is as Adama. This is a courtroom scene. Uh, Adama, uh, you know, things have sort of happened and messed things up, uh, and he he's sort of they're trying to sort of push him out a little bit, push him away, and he's on uh, not exactly on trial. I'm trying to remember the circumstances for this clip. But you'll get a really sense of his character. He's being uh, examined or cross-examined and asked questions by this uh, person. And, well, just listen to the clip and you'll know what I mean. You really get a good insight into what Adama is and what makes him such a great uh, leader. And I'll be back after the clip. Sir, isn't it true that you knew that Lieutenant Valeri and Chief Tyrrell were having an illicit relationship in violation of regulations? I don't see the relevance of this line of questioning, Sergeant. Well, the commander should bear in mind that my questions are not subject to commander's review. Why did you allow the relationship to continue knowing it was against regulations? I'm a soft touch. Sir, are you aware of the fact that both Lieutenant Valeri and Chief Tyrrell have been implicated as possibly being in collusion with the Cylons? I'm aware of the allegations. Where are you going with this, Sergeant? I will ask the question, sir. Isn't it true that by allowing their relationship to continue in violation of regulations, 
you may have made it possible for two Cylon collaborators to compromise the safety and security of this ship. We're done here. Excuse me, sir, but my questions are not finished. You've lost your way, Sergeant. You've lost sight of the purpose of the law, to protect its citizens, not persecute them. Whatever we are, whatever's left of us, we're better than that. Now these proceedings are closed. You'll be transported back to your ships, and we appreciate your help. Commander. This is an independent board. You have no authority to close our inquiry. This is a witch hunt. I will not have it aboard my ship. Corporal of the Guard, restrain the commander and return him to the witness chair. Your orders are to escort Sergeant Hadrian back to her quarters and keep her in confinement till further notice. Make your choice, son. Sergeant Hadrian. You'll come with us, please. I just uh, that that clip it just floors me. I love uh, Adam in that you know we're done here, you know th- this is over. You're not going to turn this into a witch hunt. You're not going to persecute these people. Uh, you know he is such a father figure, such a great leader here. He goes up to that guy at the door, the guard there, and he says, you know they try to you know the this board of inquiry tries to stop him, and, and Adamba basically says, no, you're done here. You're off my ship. And he goes up to that guy and he says, no, you escort these people escort that lady to her quarters and then you've got to make a choice are you with me and do you really want to be against adama i don't think so you know so uh so it's his ship his command he's controlling the the situation and it's just great he's like the it's hard in the audio you pick it up but it's great to watch it as well just his expressions when he's looking at her when she's asking these questions you can tell he's slowly getting you know, just disgusted with the kind of thing she's asking. So, uh, again, the nuances and the things about this show that are just what makes it so great. And I'm sorry I don't have more time to go into a lot more detail. Uh, just so many great things have happened over the seasons. They've finished three seasons now. We're going to be starting season four. Let me play this uh, This last. Uh, I've got a promo here. This is a season three promo. Uh, and then I'll come back and kind of wrap up my thoughts about uh, Galactica. Sometimes you have to do things that you hate so you can survive to find another day. Galactica's not coming back. Just accept that. The old man won't just leave us to the Cylons. Everybody out! Come on, let's go! Our first responsibility is to the survival of humanity. If we go back to New Caprica now, humanity just stops. It's over. the love of that man really worth losing all of this? If you never experienced love, you wouldn't have to ask. I don't think we can survive unless the man at the top finds a way to forgive himself. You've lost your edge. You're a soldier who needs a war. This is Kara. 
like your mother. Our children need to know that some people fought back and others collaborated. What are you going to do? What I should have done a long time ago. I've got a war to fight. Shoot! I am begging you to shoot me! I'm going back. Another great, uh, great promo by the Sci-Fi Channel. I love how they integrate some uh, current, you know, some music into these that really seems to fit the, you know, what's going on on the show at the time. And uh, you know, the the whole thing when Adama came back and 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 rescued them from New Caprica with the Cylons being there and tricked the Cylons and just a, you know, great strategy situation and, and the way it was done. What, yeah, I just can't again say enough about how cool that was. Probably, uh, you know, one of the most cool rescue scenes ever done in, in sci-fi. Just just so well done and, and just so surprising, you know, to somebody, especially like myself, who has seen so many, you know, Trek episodes and movies and things, to be constantly just amazed and, and, and just jumped up off my couch when I saw it. Uh, I, again, just great stuff. And if you haven't really been watching Galactica, it's never too late. Pick up the DVDs. Uh, I'm going to end uh, my little discussion here about it. I'm going to play the, the very short little Season 4 promo. This doesn't give anything away. It's been shown on the Sci-Fi Channel uh, probably for quite a while now. And uh, I'll be back after that. I was instrumental in the destruction of humanity. I have failed so many people. I am an officer, and if I die today, that's the man I'll be. I am not going to trust her with the fate of this fleet. Shoot me. I'm not afraid to die. No one's asking anyone to forget, but we have to look to the future. Okay, well, that's my look at Galactica. I know I just zipped through and breezed through it so much and didn't have a chance to play a huge amount of clips. And But just, again, check this stuff out if you've never seen it. And if you are a fan, I hope you enjoyed this little look at at Galactica, both old and, and new series, and look for uh, to be coming back on the Sci-Fi Channel uh, April the 4th, I believe, that uh, Friday night. It will be back. Uh, I want to play now. Uh, we've got a little tribute to Galactica by our own uh, Rick Moyer, so take it away, Rick. Hey, Rico, this is Rick Moyer, and uh, today um, I thought I would put together a special little tribute since you're doing Battlestar Galactica, one of my all-time favorite shows when I was a kid. Just thought it was the greatest and so I put together this uh, fun little thing called the Ragtag Fugitive Fleet. And I hope you enjoy it. And uh, hey, everybody, have a great day and enjoy. Fleeing from the Cylon tyranny, the last battle star, Galactica, leads a ragtag fugitive fleet on a lonely quest. A shining planet known as Earth. There are those who believe that life here began out there, far across the universe, with tribes of humans who may have been the forefathers of the Egyptians, or the Toltecs, or the Mayans. Some believe that there may yet be brothers of man who even now fight to survive somewhere beyond the heavens. When I was just a boy, I heard that ABC was serving up some drama in space that I could see. It was about a battle star, but not your normal stanza, starring Lauren Green. So these shiny metal 
bots were missions like machines Were killing all the colonists with budgets never seen I'd watch every week as the ships would turbo up And laugh at Boxy's Muppet, the barking robot pup Ragtag, fugitive fleet, it's the ragtag Fugitive fleet, it's the ragtag Fugitive fleet, it's the ragtag Spouting by your command We're killing all the humans And taking, taking all their land They blew up all the battle stars Without a second thought Only the Galactica Would be the one they fought they Forced the humans out To space they had to run Putting all their ships together Man that wasn't fun The characters all made me smile At wit and hero folly Like Starbuck and Apollo Colonel Ty and good old Jolly Ragtag Fugitive fleet Is the ragtag Fugitive fleet Is the ragtag Fugitive fleet, yeah, the ragtag. Fugitive fleet. Adama and Athena, they were always there. The Chiba and Boomer, Cassiopeia, so fair. The villains were so cool with names like Lucifer. Boltar and his minions and Centurions for sure. It's the ragtag. Fugitive fleet, it's the ragtag. Fugitive fleet, it's the ragtag. Fugitive fleet, it's the ragtag. Felt bad for Apollo when Serena had to die But later on the Pegasus, Sheba caught his eye Count Ely made me nervous with his mental power strong But what about those chicks with those mouths that sang that song? Ragtag Fugitive Fleet, it's the Ragtag Fugitive Fleet, it's the Ragtag Fugitive Fleet, it's the Ragtag I cannot stay here too long before my machine friends will become nervous and do something rash I thought that it was over when the bugs they set the tones And when everyone was partying they were eating honeycombs Our heroes made Saving all the warriors by faking all the leaders. The coolest part about the show, they came from near and far. Were the Raiders and the Vipers, these stations, battle stars. The Viper was the coolest, with talking ones to boot. Cora loved on Starbuck as he wore his darkened suit. The Ragtag. Fugitive Fleet, it's the Ragtag. Fugitive Fleet, it's the Ragtag. Fugitive Fleet, it's the Ragtag. Starbucks dad is free. They're blowing up a base star, the one I liked a lot. They wobbled on their wings just so they would not get shot. Really, all the episodes were right into the vibe. Watching every week for the 13th tribe. Pyramids and castles too, fighting in the mirth. All the while searching for their new home they call the Earth. The Ragtag. Galactica 1980. It didn't last so long. Troy and Dylan disappeared. After all, it was funny to see a dominant in a beard. Then there is the new one, a sci-fi that's for sure. The Starbuck is a woman and it's full of ripping fear. Silence had a makeover. The CGI just rocks. Some of them look human. We learned, we learned that in their talks. The Ragtag. Fugitive Fleet. It's the Ragtag. Fugitive Fleet. It's the Ragtag. Fugitive Fleet. Yeah, the Ragtag. Razor glasses high, this battle star Galactica really caught my eye. It's the ragtag, fugitive fleet, ragtag. Apollo Galactica actual, jump all, fugitive fleet, it's the ragtag, 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 fugitive fleet, it's the ragtag.
inside the rag. A little more like walking from Tony. This is the ragtag. Oh, Rick, again, just an amazing, great job. Uh, so talented. The Ragtag Fugitive Fleet by Rick Moyer. Little rap, Galactica style. Loved it. Uh, and all the little things you put in from the original series and mentioned, you know, Cassiopeia, who was another one of Starbucks girlfriends, played by Lorette Spang, and just all kinds of cool stuff. Sheba, of course, Commander Kane's daughter on the original galactica and uh who ends up uh joining the galactica fleet and hooks up with apollo a little bit all just kinds of cool stuff boxy i didn't even mention boxy in the original series uh who was serena's son had the little robot daggett oh i have to mention an interesting story we had a dog growing up uh uh, a black lab uh and uh guess the name of the dog's (laughs) the the dog's name was daggett yes we named the dog daggett uh, when I was growing up, the, off of uh, the Galactica dog, uh, I think something about my mom wanted a mechanical dog and wouldn't have to clean up after it, or, or so. So the story goes, I guess. So, anyway, Rick, thanks for your rap. And uh, again, I, I hope everyone's enjoyed this. I feel a little bit bad because you know there's so much to cover on Galactica. It's just really impossible in a hour or hour and a half long podcast to cover it all. But I definitely thought it had deserved a podcast for a long time. I could have probably broken it up and done like original Galactica one week and a new show another and had some more time. But I kind of wanted to do it all at once. It's it's so, uh, you know, it's such a cool series and it's gone on to such a, you know, a great new show that they've got out. And I was a little bit like Jeff about that at first, too. I, I did mention earlier, but I was a little hesitant at first. But once I started watching the first season, especially of the new Galactica, I was really really hooked so uh, anyway that's it for galactica talk uh, i hope you enjoyed it and uh we've got now a guest uh collectible review got a uh yeah and i apologize to jedi jeff he sent this in a few weeks ago i think around the time i was sick and missed that week of the podcast so this uh, has been sitting on my hard drive here for a little bit and uh well this is his review of a couple of star wars collectibles so take it away jeff and i'll be back after to finish up and wrap up the show Hi Rico, this is Jeff, Jedi Jeff on the forums. Today I'd like to talk about a couple new collectibles I recently received into my collection. It's the Gentle Giant animated maquettes of Han Solo and Chewbacca. I had my eye on these for actually quite a while when I saw the uh, preview pictures from uh, Toy Fair uh, earlier in 2007. And by the end of the year, uh, they came out and I decided to pick them up. There was something I had on my list to pick up, so I was glad I kind of followed through with it. Kind of one of the reasons why I decided to go with these animated maquettes is I didn't really have anything, especially of Chewbacca, in kind of a higher-end collectible. I had some toys but uh, from Hasbro, but nothing like a real nice display piece. And kind of I felt the, the animated maquettes might be a, a better fit for me because... Um, Part of my reasons with going for the animated ones is that I find that sometimes the the kind of the realistic looking of the figures, you know, like just the human ones, um, sometimes they kind of come off not looking as, as realistic as I'd like for uh, these figures. So I thought, well, if I go with the animated ones, and that kind of that kind of cuts that kind of uh, quandary out for me because it's more of a stylized look of the figures. And to be honest, I've been kind of a fan of the way that they've done these ones, so so it was kind of easy for me to go with. 
both of these figures actually came in an edition size of uh, 3,000, so actually it's not a bad uh, bad size, not too big, not too small, so so I think it's a, a good size for these figures. And I realize that with, especially with the animated stylings of these, that these are a real kind of hit and miss for people. First I'll kind of talk about the hand Solo, he's kind of in a real kind of cool pose, he's kind of, he's got his blaster out and he's aiming it at, he's got kind of a, a nice look to his face. Um, one of the things I was kind of concerned about these uh, these figures was, uh, like I said, kind of heard from other podcasts and reading online that they can be quite fragile at, at times. A lot of people would get them and they either they would already be broken or when they're tight, kind of putting them together, they would break. So I made sure when I was setting this up to be really fragile. It comes on a base, kind of a black and white base, which actually interconnects with the uh, Chewbacca to make a really nice display. So I was very careful to kind of get him on that space. It took a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of pressure to get his feet onto the base, but I, I made sure not to put too much pressure on, so I wouldn't uh, break it. Um, like I say, for the most part, his feet kind of is a little block and a peg, which fat fit into the uh, into the base, and, and it fit in quite quite nicely. The paint job actually on the hand solo is actually I, I can't really find any real faults to it. I know people in the past kind of complain about these animated maquettes for some of the other ones that the, the paint on it was sloppy but for the most part this is probably a pretty uh, straightforward kind of piece for a gentle giant to make and uh, like I say I thought they did quite a good job. Uh, next I'll go on to the uh, Chewbacca piece. Um, this one was probably the one I was looking for most because like I indicated I don't really have any kind of nice pieces from for Chewbacca and he's a really tough character I, I find to kind of get right. And this one, you know, I, again, I think, you know, either you'd like this piece or you'd hate this piece. And for me, I really like it. And uh, they got a really nice look on Chewbacca's face. He's got kind of a snarl on his face. And, uh, you know, he's kind of, again, he's kind of in a kind of iconic pose of holding his bowcaster. Um, like, say, overall, again, you know, his feet fit on his base. It's a black and white base as well. Like I said, interconnects with the uh, Han Solo one. Um, one piece I was really actually quite um, careful with is... Um, on his bowcaster, there's kind of a strap for his bowcaster, and that's a really thin piece of, uh, I don't know what it is, but uh, it's very thin, and I, I was very careful when I was putting this on because it looks like it would break quite easily. Uh, again, the painting on this one is actually quite nice too, though. Um, I did notice that on his on his um, bandolier, that the painting on that is a little bit sloppy in spots, so it would have been nice if they would have done that a little bit nicer, but all in all, like I say, I'm quite happy with this figure as well. It looks great. Um, you know, like I say, again, you know, you know, either you like this piece or you don't like it. Um, anyways, like I say, thanks for uh, letting me uh, review these two pieces, Rico. It, these were two pieces that I was greatly anticipating. And uh, like I say, I'm quite happy to have them. Um, I guess just maybe to finish this off, uh, I just kind of the size on these things are both, uh, like I say, the hand sole is about eight and a half inches. He's kind of in a in like say his pose isn't fully standing up and then the two Chewbacca is 10 inches tall and he's he's hunched over a bit so I find that it's a good kind of um, a good kind of size between the two so like say it's a good scale on these compared to you know their counterparts in real life but anyways um, anyways thanks for letting me review these Rico and uh, back to your show well, no problem, Jeff. I uh, really enjoyed hearing your take on the animated uh, maquettes. I, I agree with you. I, I enjoy the, the look of them. And I also agree with what you said about, uh, you know, sometimes the ones that are supposed to be more real-looking, uh, you know, good likenesses of the characters of the actors 
are, are tricky to do. You know, sometimes if they don't look quite right, they can really bug you. But the animated style allows them to be a little more artistic uh, with their vision. I have a few of them. I have uh, the Vader animated style one, the the Leia and R2. And uh, did I have another one? I think, oh, yeah, the uh, I think I have the Anakin one as well. So I, And I'd like to get the, the Han Solo and the Chewbacca sometime two those look like nice pieces in the luke x-wing one that's another one that's out so again always uh anyone else at jeff or any other one that gets a collectible and you like to talk about a review on the show please send it on in to uh, treksf at gmail.com i'm also looking on uh, next week's show let's uh talk about that for a second it's going to again be about some sci-fi classic movies uh some of the you know 1950s movies like of giant ants and you know uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space, that kind of stuff. I'm looking for audio from uh, the listeners to add to the show for next week's look at old sci-fi uh, movies, both uh, the kind of uh, so bad they're fun to watch movies and, and any classics, too, that you want mentioned. Uh, send that in to treksf at gmail.com, or you can even send a comment about a movie quickly just uh, over your uh, uh, phone, uh, 206-666-6627. Uh, Looking forward to that. That will be next Sunday's uh, next Sunday's podcast, and uh, I think that's going to wrap things up this week. Uh, again, this has probably maybe been the I've hit the uh, <laughs> the longest podcast that I've done, uh, and I hope you've stuck with it till the end. I, I think it was a good one. A lot of stuff to cover, news and Galactica and collectibles and, and all kinds of fun things. So uh, I think it's time for me to get out of here. I hope everyone has enjoyed their Easter. And I will talk to you again very soon. And check out the website. Check out the forums, TrekSF or TreksInSciFi.com. Both of those will get you there. Talk to you again soon. Bye-bye for now. For more information on Treks and Sci-Fi, visit the Treks and Sci-Fi website at www.treksinsci-fi.com. This has been a Rico Dostoevsky.